Oh, perfect, yeah. Thank you. Hi. So a little background on Editorially, the company uh, that I work for. Uh, we are nine people in seven cities and four time zones. Uh, and in the couple of years that we've been going, uh, we have never been all in the same place at the same time. But by another measure, we are in the same place at the same time every day, and that is group chat, which is what I'd like to talk about. So first, I want to rehash some of the questions that we're dealing with today, just sort of generally. Uh, problems with remote culture include such things as uh, how do you have a reasonably real-time, long-term conversation when you're not all in the same room? Uh, how, when half your office starts in New York at 9 a.m., does an individual contributor in California come online three hours later and try and catch up on conversations and decisions you've already made? So these are practical concerns, right? But there are tricky sort of psychological issues that we're dealing with too, like combating a sense of isolation in individual workers at home. <clears throat> and how do you create a sense of what I'm gonna call benevolent eavesdropping? Sort of porous boundary among minds where we make decisions in a shared office. Really, what does it mean to be together in a remote workplace where we are neither in the right place uh, nor in some ways at the right time? I am, surprise, surprise, going to argue that this is why you use a group chat room. Uh, I think it's one of the most important tools uh, in your arsenal as a remote company. So let's talk a little bit about what chat is. Uh, I'm, just, I'm really actually curious. Is anybody in this room right now in a group chat room? Raise your, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> Pay attention. All right, so group chat. So for those of you who are not currently chatting with your coworkers, this is what a group chat room looks like. Uh, this is our Slack chat room. I'll talk just a little bit about Slack in a bit. Um, very similar to those of you who have never seen group chat before to IM. Reverse chronological, message top to bottom. He said, she said, but like she said, and that dude said, and a little tiny place at the bottom to type. So very familiar form mostly because it has its roots in tools that considerably predate the consumer internet. Uh, BBSs, CompuServe, uh, Internet Relay Chat. Patty had a slide of IRC on her, on, uh, on her chat. <clears throat> uh, and so I'm only going to talk about the web-based group chat today because chat's becoming more common even and especially on less technical teams, just a ton easier to get started with. Uh, and there's a lot of products in this space. Uh, three you'll hear the most about, uh, Campfire, by 37 Signals, which has now become Basecamp, uh, Atlassian's HipChat, which we just saw, uh, and my personal favorite and most recent entrant, Slack by TinySpec. So this is all software. It's all going to be very good. It all suits your needs. And I all have features that I'm going to talk about. But I would like to start by talking about a book. So this is a pattern language written in 1977. In it, Christopher Alexander and his co-authors have extracted hundreds of common characteristics of good physical spaces. Everything from where to put a public square in a town to the virtues of half-open walls. Uh, but I actually like to extrapolate some of these ideas into how they work in virtual space, and my favorite is this. Pattern 129 is called Common Areas at the Heart. <clears throat> now, Alexander and his co-authors find this pretty much everywhere. Uh, homes, schools, offices, towns. And it stipulates that some common area must lie along the way to private space. Uh, and it challenges us with this. No social group, whether a family, a work group, or a school group, can survive without constant informal contact among its members. And that is a really powerful assertion. No social group can survive without constant informal contact. Well, this is the glue that forms the real bonds of any true social group, groups like 
your companies, for example. So when you explore what this means in a remote workplace, which is the non-private space for communication within your purpose-built society, I would argue that group chat is in fact your office. It's the fabric of your workplace. It is your open plan desks, it's your hallways, it's your lunchroom, your water cooler. It serves as the space for your whole team to share with no particular focus or intent. And it is especially useful for teams that are only partially remote. Uh, now, learning how to use it is not particularly hard, uh, but it's easy to get bad out of the gate. And I think some of you may have experienced this. I experienced this. Uh, so I want to talk about a few really simple things you can do to do it better. First tip is just to show up. So if there's a single thing I would attempt to convey to get chat right, it's this. So you sit down first thing in the morning to work. You open your chat window immediately. This is the equivalent of you going into your office. Uh, and if you forget to do this first thing, you will forget to open in your chat window until lunch, all the while busily checking email, missing important conversations, pictures of cats sitting on dogs, which is probably only cool if you're a cat person. Dog people probably don't like that. Uh, most importantly, your remote colleagues are not, they're gonna feel like you're not there. And in a remote workplace, you are not there. So it's super, super important to show up. Uh, number one tip, but just as important, talk primarily in your chat room. Now this is where partially remote teams always go haywire. You have one person someplace else and 12 people uh, all co-located. You wanna talk in your chat room, it seems self-evident. Example, at Editorially, we may have only two people in the business working side by side in our Brooklyn offices. Talking in chat uh, about things that could absolutely be more efficiently discussed in person. Why? One, so there's a record of what we've decided, which is super handy. Uh, but more importantly, so that when our developer in Portland comes in three hours later, she can participate too. Even if we didn't intend for her to participate in the conversation, even if we didn't think it was a capital C conversation. Now this is the foundation of the, like, the sort of serendipity that's the impetus behind a lot of really great ideas. And if you have people spread out all over the place, you need to make sure the conversation's available to everyone. In other words, by ensuring that we talk as much as possible in group chat, we allow for the possibility that with intent and this quality of shifting time, we can transform informal, unstructured conversation into something greater. Now this is, like, that's the benevolent eavesdropping thing I was talking about earlier, and it's one of the superpowers of group chat, something that your common physical space does not have, the power to transform informal conversation into collective, constructive memory. So, that quality of memory is why you actually don't have to look at your chat window all day. Uh, you can actually just scroll up. Uh, we, a lot of chat services have what you would call a paging function. So you say somebody's name, it sends them an email, pages their client. Uh, we actually use that a lot. We usually couple it with scroll back, ergo scroll back Rob, uh, which will page Rob and say, oh, you know, he can come in and fix a problem or you can just wait until later. We use scroll back all the time. Scroll back, see that last issue with that cool picture of a cat sitting on a dog or uncool picture of a cat sitting on a dog. Uh, but that, this gets back at that sort of like quality of chat that kind of lives in squishy time. Uh, we think of chat as happening in real time, call, response. Uh, but in a remote workplace, especially when you're in multiple time zones, chat has a quality of emerging in uh, gradual time, like email. And, uh, and paging is sort of emergent property of that. Uh, it's actually why I also think that search is super important, because you can search back for things that have happened uh, a long time ago. 
so again, important to sort of keep up with what's going on, if only so you can see who said good morning, for example. Which brings me to my next point, uh, say hello. So in chat, nobody can hear you walk in. Uh, always think of yourself as kind of a silent chat ninja slinking in shadow. Uh, saying hello or good morning isn't just polite, it's informative, and ditto for departures. Saying good night uh, is nice, but it's actually meaningful in a space like group chat. Because we've now talked a little bit about the collective memory of chat and how to scroll up, uh, you can see why it's useful to say hello even to an empty room, uh, because it's not going to be empty for long. Uh, of course, if it makes you feel super weird to talk to nobody, you can always have, say, a chatbot in the room. Uh, they're very handy for saying hello, and I really love chatbots. So, chatbots do a whole lot more than say hello, uh, but I'm going to get philosophical for a second. Completely empty chat room, this is not a room at all. So having a chatbot there to contribute is actually really handy. Um, beyond just saying hello, they do a lot of great operational stuff. They can tell you when someone tweets about your business. They can, you connect help, de help desk software to it. Uh, you can have it deploy your site if you have a site. Uh, it's, these are just super, super useful things you can do, and there's a ton of things. But in the spirit of informality, you can have them talk back to you. You can have them get Benedict Cumberbatch's name wrong. This guy has such a hard time with that name. I have a hard time with the name. Um, most chat software that's out there now uh, is very easy to work with. So if you have a handy developer, uh, most of the work has been done to write chatbot software. I love GitHub's Hubot, for example. I use it for everything. But if you have a developer who is less available or not available, uh, most of this chat software has really easy chat integrations and help desk integrations. Things like this are really simple. Uh, so you have robots in your room. It's getting louder. Uh, let's call it the lobby. It, you probably have other rooms. Uh, our team is small enough that we only need a single common space, but uh, for larger teams, say 20 or more, it might get deafening in a lobby. Uh, in that case, you'd know it. You create a new room. Uh, but try to avoid and be reluctant to create new rooms uh, unless you absolutely have to. Again, uh, the point is constant informal contact among all the members of your team. Uh, and so we, for example, will create rooms for specific conversations and then we'll sort of destroy them uh, because we always prefer the lobby and we're always kind of nearby the lobby. There's a reason for this and the lobby is our home. Uh, it's got windows facing seven cities. Uh, it's got a ton more than just sort of gifts and bots. It ensures you're not alone. It gives you space for serendipity. It solves for time zone chaos, which, which uh, Cass talked about earlier. Uh, and used well, it's the fabric that makes up the culture of your business. And there's unquantifiable benefits of doing this right. I did a search for I love you guys in our chat room the other day, and I came up with like dozens of examples of this. This is insane. You know, this, the fact is this is the common area at the heart of your remote business. It certainly is of ours, and it's a fantastic space to watch your company and its culture unfold. If you use it correctly, it will absolutely, in every sense of the word, keep you together. Thank you. <laughs>